want to win? The goddamn Jets. Yo, 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 welcome into another episode of the Goddamn Jets here on the Chop Sports Network. John Sapinaro, Max Antonucci, Kimberly Cantoni spread out all over the U.S. once again. I'm back in California, which means it's really early in the morning, which means the Jets ruined my morning the other day. I don't know how you guys feel. Start with you, Kim. (laughs) I have like the same reaction. Like, I'm just pissed such a disappointing loss. I'm so pissed. And we'll, I mean, we're going to get into it and how I feel about the meat and potatoes of this game. But overall, I'm so angry. I'm so annoyed and I'm pissed. And there's not enough coffee to uh, get me to wake up my feelings on this one. Well, Mac, you just got your, uh, you said you just got your new New Jersey plates right before we went live with this. Um, are you thinking about moving from the state where the Jets play after that game? <laughs> yeah, now I am. I should have just kept the California plates on there. I'll tell you this. I'm just happy that I wasn't living in L.A. still, because if I woke up at 630 to watch that train wreck of mm-hmm. a football game, I would have been so pissed. Like I was up already at nine o'clock this uh, past Sunday. So I was like, oh, I could catch the early game. That'll be nice. Have some coffee, watch this game. And then uh, it was just it looked like they didn't even show up the first half, which seems to be the trend this season with the Jets is that they're not showing up. And then they go in and they make adjustments at halftime. And it turns out being good. And we wind up getting closer in the game, which, hey, we could kind of point to that being a silver lining that they go in, they make adjustments and they wind up, you know, getting us closer to winning a game, but they always wind up falling short. Yeah, it was really frustrating for me. So, you know, after being in New York for the last couple of weeks and then going to Omaha for work, um, I was actually flying out from Omaha that morning. And I never booked myself on early flights, but I decided to do it because I just wanted to get back home. It had been so long since I was home. So my flight departed. At 5.43 in the morning, which means that I was up at 3 o'clock in the morning on the way to the airport at 3.30, flying at 5.43 from Omaha to Minneapolis. But that put me on the plane from Minneapolis to L.A. for the entire duration of the Jets game. And the Mm. Jets were on in the little seat back you know, live television on Delta. And I was like, oh, this is great. I was trying to decide all kinds of crazy ways to watch this game. And I was like, if I download the app and I pay for like the better Wi-Fi, I think I could stream it on my phone because it's NFL Network, all this nonsense. I didn't have to do any of that, which is great because if I would have paid on top of it, I would have been really angry. But Mm -hmm. anyway, there I am on a plane from Minneapolis to LAX watching the Jets and trying not to curse audibly (laughs) (laughs) while sitting on the plane. It was like the most miserable experience. Plus, I was so tired, but I wouldn't sleep simply because I was watching the Jet game. So not only did they ruin it for me, but they also ruined my ability to take a nap on a really early flight that was halfway across the country. So, (laughs) you know, the Jets doing what the Jets normally do. And I... I, I don't know. I, I just landed so frustrated and angry and then like kind of apathetic. I don't really know how to handle what the Jets did. Um, you know, look, we're going to be – this was very much a Jets, you know, youngest team in the league kind of loss. But because they made adjustments, like you said, Max, 
it makes it more frustrating. I mean, this is the story through the first five games of the season. They come out flat and they look like absolute garbage at the beginning of these games when they should look their best. Let's be honest, Kim. You know, the the NFL teams script the first 15 plays, especially on offense. How do they look this bad with plays that are scripted? I don't understand. I don't understand it. And, like, this is the problem that I'm having. This is the second weekend in a row where the Jets looked like garbage in the first half and then came back in the second half and it actually looked like a professional football team. Granted, this time around, it was a little too late to make the adjustments they needed to because, obviously, we lost this game. But they're waiting way too long to make things happen where the Falcons scored on their first three possessions – You know, and that's what the Jets need to do. They need to make plays and they need to score when they have the ball in the first half. They can't be waiting around to make magic happen in the second half because this was a perfect example of that was a little too late where Matt Ryan had one of his best games, in my opinion. He looked great in the first half. And Zach Wilson was like, I forgot how to be a quarterback in the first half. So my biggest issue is that they're waiting too long to make things happen and that it shouldn't be they had a slow start in the first half but like why it's already week five you can't be you can't do that especially when you're playing against teams that you you could have won against so that's my biggest beef with the team right now yeah and you know max forget about scoring points in the first half they don't even get first downs in the first half. And that's the thing. The defense was on the field for 11 minutes in the first quarter. 11 minutes of the 15 minutes. <laughs> it's insane, man. Uh, I don't know what's going on here. I mean, obviously, we came into the season knowing there's going to be a bunch of speed bumps along the way. But good Lord. I mean, we can't get a first down. Zach Wilson's throwing short balls. Elijah Moore can't catch a ball. Like it, it's falling apart. Uh, and obviously, our defense is better than what we thought it would be. But when you're on the field for 11 out of 15 minutes, they're going to get gassed. And you started to see that later in the game when we actually were, you know, competing to win this game. And at this point, the defense is tuckered out because the offense wasn't doing enough to stay on the field and let these guys get a break, get a sip a little Gatorade, maybe have a hot dog on the sideline. But, <laughs> you know, it's it's just a disaster. Yeah, and that's the thing that's really frustrating. You know, Kim mentioned that they scored three times. The Falcons did on their first three possessions. I mean, I didn't even know the Falcons had a punter until late in the third quarter. I didn't think that punting was an option for them, the way that they were just moving up and down the field. But the frustrating thing is, you know, that third touch, well, the third score that they got, the second touchdown on their third possession, that was really frustrating because you look at that one as kind of the nail in the coffin for the Jets, not necessarily because the Falcons scored right there, but because, like you said, that then led to the defense being gassed after the Jets fight back. The Jets are right there in this game, and it was like, if we could just get the ball back or hold them to a field goal, and all of a sudden, boom, 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 they score another big touchdown, and that basically iced the game. It put the game out of reach in terms of the time that was left on the clock, but it goes back to those first three scores on their first three possessions, of course the team is going to be gassed. Of course the defense is going to be gassed. And look, 
they have a good defense that's played over their heads, but they were talking a lot during the broadcast about how the Jets defense wasn't showing up. And there were definitely some misplays. You know, Bryce Hall played okay, but had his worst game. Um, You know, they couldn't get to Matt Ryan. But part of the reason why they couldn't get to Matt Ryan is because he's a veteran quarterback that was decisive with the football and was getting it out early. But that's when your offense needs to pick up your defense and hold the ball for more than three plays in the first half. That was their thing. They kept going through three and out. Now it's to the point heading into the bye week. Thankfully, the Jets have been outscored 75 to 13 in the first half. I think they're the only team in football without a first quarter touchdown or first quarter score period. And Kim, that's, I, I mean, that's unsustainable. You have to at least put out a representative effort when you go out there. And, and this is abysmal. But like my question is why is it taking so long for this team to make adjustments like I don't care if you're a young team or not you still have veteran players that are on the offense like Corey Davis so like and like Jamison Crowder so like I don't understand why it's taking this team so long to figure out and make the adjustments needed they need to be making adjustments literally within the first couple of plays if they see something's not working they need to be able to do that and I mean Zach Wilson I don't care that he's a rookie quarterback in the NFL. He's been playing football for a long time. That is an excuse to me. You still know how this game works, and you need to be able, as a team, and with Mike LaFleur and Robert Sala, you need to be able to figure out what the hell is going on. Because, in my opinion, they, they should have won this game. They really should have. And it's just – it's like they took a step backwards instead of a step forwards. Like, after last week, and they had an incredible win – they, they took a huge step backwards, and like you said, thank God we have the bye week because they need a break. We need a break, but they also need to go back to the drawing board and figure out what is the problem now. Because, again, like I said, you can't be bringing the heat in the second half when it's too late. You only have two quarters then, and who if you don't have the ball when we come back from the half, like you're already at a disadvantage. So I don't know what they need to do, but the the biggest thing is they need to figure out how they're going to make an impact in the first half of the game because that's, in my opinion, that's when the game is won in the first half, and then you can kind of set the tone and then try and prevent the other team from basically taking the lead or the win from the team. Yeah, no, that I mean, it is it is a good point because a game like this, I mean, some games come down to the wire and they're quite literally won in the last couple of minutes. But Max, you know, games like this, that game was won in the first half. That game was won in the first quarter. They did not, you know, the Falcons did everything they needed to do and the Jets did nothing of what they needed to do. And, you know, when you look at these slow starts that they've had all season, the first three, you could say, okay, those are statistically some top defenses with the Panthers, with the Patriots, and with the Broncos. This Falcons team was ranked 32nd in total defense, and the Jets made them look like they were the 85 Bears when they came out there, and I, I can't understand that. That's going to be something – look, we all like Robert Sala. I don't think the honeymoon is over, blah, 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 all those things that people say, but this is on the coaching. When you come out flat like this, it's because you're not being coached properly. And I'm sorry, that's just the, that's the bottom line. For sure. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of people have been saying that, well, the Jets didn't have a chance from the start because of that bullshit roughing the passer call. And that was like a big thing, like everyone's just been saying mm -hmm. on every, you know, Reddit thread or YouTube thread. 
but it's like something like that happens. Okay, you'll give it one drive. After that, it's like you can't blame the refs if your offense doesn't show up, you know? So, yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm not going to uh, write off Robert Sala yet. Obviously, they're going to get better throughout the year. Uh, this was the first time the Jets were going into a game where they were favorites to win. So it's sad to see like, oh, okay, this is going to be one of the ones we'll have some momentum going into the bye. And then, you know, we come out of the bye week and maybe we keep that momentum going. Instead, we're going in there with that stink of one in four, which is, you know, obviously as Jet fans, we're starting to get used to this after all these years of suffering. Uh, But yeah, I mean, the coaching's got to get better and they're going to. I truly believe that they're going to and everyone's going to get better and play their part to make this team, I don't want to say respectable because we may be a a long ways away from that, but we'll we'll get there eventually at some point. Yeah, you know, Kim, I think part of the problem, honestly, and obviously it was a a huge tragedy that supersedes football in a million ways, and we touched on it on this show, but I think the biggest problem with the Jets on offense and Zach Wilson's preparedness and Zach Wilson's inability to make adjustments early I think we see right now the loss of Greg Knapp. Um, I think that he was brought Mm -hmm. in to be the steadying voice in specifically Zach Wilson's ear. Um, You've got a rookie offensive coordinator. You've got a rookie head coach. You've got a rookie quarterback. And your rookie head coach is more of a defensive guy. Now, to Salah's credit, he said he wanted to be a CEO type coach, and we're seeing that. He's not focusing too much on the defense. He's not even calling the defensive plays. Obviously, that's his scheme, you know, him and Ulbrich working on it together. But I really think that the loss of Greg Knapp and what a terrible tragedy it was, um, I think that that has kind of sunk this team early. And I think that that's why, you know, this bye week, Uh, that's what they have to work on. They have to work on, you know, having Wilson be (sighs) sort of game ready. It's kind of like, I want to use a a baseball analogy here. Like, you know, some guys, when they, when they come in from the, from the bullpen, some relief pitchers, right? Like if they're going to, they're going to be an opener in a baseball game, they will warm up as if they are coming into the game in the middle of the game because that's what they're used to. Mm -hmm. They don't want to warm up like a starter. They want to warm up like a relief pitcher because that's what they are most of the time. And just because they're opening that game or starting that game, they will go through their, their same progressions the way that they would normally. And I think that that's something that the jets need to figure out in this bye week with Zach Wilson. Look, the whole offense has been bad in the first half of these games, but a lot of that starts and stops with the quarterback. I mean, Zach Wilson has not been able to make throws. He's not been able to, you know, make reads. He's not been able to get the proper protection. It seems as though he's kind of playing in quicksand and then everything slows down by the second half. But like you said, it's too little too late. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on, but this bye week is coming at, I think at the perfect time, it's an early bye, but I think it's coming at the, the right time for this team. Yeah, I agree. It's time to reset, refocus and refigure out what the offense needs to do. And talking about Zach Wilson, I have a couple of stats I want to just bring to everyone's attention. It's Zach Wilson's first half numbers versus his second half numbers. And just the difference between the two is like mind blowing the differences. So here's Zach Wilson in the first half based on the first five weeks of him playing in the NFL. His passing line is 30 of 63 for 292 yards. No touchdowns, 
six interceptions and a passer rating of 21.5 in the first half. Here's your second half numbers for Zach Wilson. Passing line 68 of 108 for 825 yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions, and a passer rating of 87.2. Why does Zach Wilson suck in the first half and actually looks like an NFL quarterback in the second half? Right? Like, I feel like these numbers are like, it's kind of crazy to me. And it just kind of shows you the overall picture of like, it's the offense as a whole. And what a great point, John, you brought up that without Greg Knapp, we'll never know if if the offense could have been playmakers right from the get-go. But I think like these numbers just show that Wilson has the potential, but something needs to change in the first half because that's where we have to make a stance and we have to make an impact because without that first half impact, that's where the Jets fail and they fail to win games. Max, I mean, we're going to beat a dead horse here, but it has to be brought up. One of the ways that they can make an impact is to uh, allow Denzel Mims to play football on offense. I mean, the guy played a couple of snaps. He had another big catch. He's just another guy that the defense has to game plan for, and he's another guy with talent that Zach Wilson can throw the football to. I mean, you know, Elijah Moore has been very, very, very quiet, very disappointing so far. Look, he's a rookie. He's going to learn. He's going to figure it out. But, you know, Corey Davis has been largely good. Jamison Crowder has been great since he's come back. And then you've got guys like Keelan Cole playing a role and Braxton Berrios. But there's a the need for Denzel Mims to be on the field as a guy who's athletically gifted and can make plays just I mean, I think, again, it begins and ends there. I I don't understand it. I mean, what are they going to see? What more do they need to see? They keep saying every week he's had a great week of practice. And then he comes out and, you know, he's either not on the field or like last week, you know, he played a couple snaps and he makes an impact. What more do you need to see to allow? And how bad does the offense need to be, especially early in games, for you to try to get Denzel Mims involved? Yeah, there's nothing I like more than beating dead horses. So let's go. Uh, <laughs> oh my god, Denzel Mims. That's why no Max reason. isn't allowed in the state of Kentucky anymore? That's right. Gotcha. That That's right. Sense. But I still wear the hat. Uh, but <laughs> listen, I see no reason as to why Denzel Mims shouldn't be out there and getting more play. Right. So obviously, we don't know what's going on in the locker room. Everyone's questioning his work ethic or him not knowing the playbook. Still, just go out there and be like, hey, dude, just just run. We'll find you. Let's make something happen. Obviously, especially he's got that speed. He's got hands. He's got height. Like, he's got all the physical attributes. Just say, hey, man, go make something happen. Zach Wilson's just going to toss the ball up there. He's going to toss it 50 yards. Grab it. See what we could do. Why not? We have nothing to lose, right? Yeah. We we know Absolutely that no. they – I think they went into this year knowing – this is a rebuilding year still, even though we've been having rebuilding years for the past five years. Uh, there's no reason as to why he shouldn't be out there and why we shouldn't just be throwing the ball up to him and see if he can make a play. Why not? I, I, I don't see any reason as to why we should just be like, okay, we're going to do a short dump reel here, uh, right here. Zach Wilson throws the ball, you know, two yards shorter than where it needs to be. Elijah Moore isn't catching the ball. Just give it a shot. Give us a fighting chance at at having an exciting Sunday instead of getting sluggish the first half. And then by the time the second half rolls along, we're like, 
do we even want to watch this game still? Or should I just wait a few hours, go do something else, buy some groceries and then watch a highlight reel? Cause that's how I've been doing it. I, I have not been able to watch a full game this whole season. Yeah. I mean, I was literally a captive audience on that plane last week and I, I, I was just getting frustrated and frustrated. And Kim Jones, uh, who does a great job covering the NFL, she kind of tweeted out, she couldn't understand why people weren't making more of a big deal about this. When they asked Robert Sala, how come Denzel Mims and Elijah Moore aren't on the field more? He said, well, they just don't have the packages for them right now. They don't have a package of plays for them. And Kim, I think that's another failure in coaching right there. I mean, you have two wildly talented guys, one who has shown it and one who has not quite shown it yet. But uh, to Max's point, what do you have to lose? Put the best players on the field. You know, we were all giddy in the group chat about Kenny Yaboa finally getting activated. Yeah. Now, I understand that he didn't, you know, he basically had like, you know, a, a half week of practice with the team and he just got elevated and we'll probably see him after the bye because, you know, now he'll be fully acclimated and be able to learn the playbook. But, you know, when your other option is Ryan fucking Griffin, just put <laughs> Kenny Yaboa on the field. Let yeah. him run the seam and see if you can find an open guy. I mean, I'm tired of this team having garbage out there, literal like bags, black bags of garbage, like that you would put your, your, your friggin' like, you know, bring out to the curb they got just bags of garbage out there and then they got guys like Kenny Yaboa sitting on the sideline like you know what I mean it's like what are you doing dude what why why are you doing this you got hefty bags out there and all of a sudden you got guys on the sideline that can play right. they're begging to get into these games Denzel Mims Elijah Moore Kenny Yaboa now Denzel Mims might be bad in in practice and Elijah Moore might not you know, be a hundred percent, even though he came out of concussion protocol and Kenny Yaboa might not know the playbook as well as Ryan Griffin, but you know what? I don't care because when the offense scores 13 points in the first half through five games, that is a problem and put guys out there who are talented and hungry. I'm tired of seeing Ryan fucking Griffin, man. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. You know, there's nothing I hate more than wasted talent. And you have all of these talented players literally sitting on the sidelines. And I feel with Robert Sala, as much as I like him to say that we don't have a package for these players is such an excuse. Like that is not the answer I want to hear. That is complete bullshit. In my opinion, like, it is. It backs his laughing. Oh, we got this Kim. We got Kim worked up. She used profanity. This is I know, good. I sure when did, Kim curses, guys, when Kim curses on the podcast, <laughs> even if she 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 held she held back a little bit, Max. She was like bullshit, bullshit. When she curses on the podcast, that's when you know she's angry because Kim usually will censor herself. She'd be like, "This is." And ridiculous. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> it is, but you know what? It's true. And I'm actually like, turning red because you guys are calling me out right now. But she it is, isn't messing like, around. <laughs> it is though. Like it's it's bullshit. Like I hate excuses, and that to me is a really big excuse. And so I think what they need to do that in in this bye week is I don't know create packages for Elijah Moore, right? Denzel Mibs and Kenny Yaboa. Like, don't waste these talented players because then you're going to get really pissed off when they decide to go to another team and you're like, oh, I don't understand what happened. You didn't use them. You didn't utilize them to the best of their ability. So when they get tired of sitting on the sidelines, 
they're going to go somewhere else. And if, you know what, if, if I was Kenny Yaboa and I was on that practice squad, I would be studying that playbook. So that to me is an excuse too. If you don't know the playbook, that is bullshit too. You should know the playbook. That's like being, you know, an ensemble member or like a, an understudy in a show. You're going to make sure you know that script because at any time you could get the phone call and you could be told to go in and you would need to be ready for those opportunities. So to me, if these players aren't ready for the opportunity, I don't, I don't believe it. I think they are ready. It's, I don't, there's just a lot of hesitation by the coaching staff to use these players. So now it's time to use them. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe, maybe the script sucks too, you know? <laughs> Maybe it's maybe rewrite we got a many it. saints of Newark thing going on here where the script is just garbage. They got to rewrite the script. Wow. What a, wow. What, what a plug. That what, was. what a reference. This is becoming a film review podcast, which by the way, next week's episode might be because the jets aren't playing a game. So, you know, maybe we'll just all watch a movie and then just talk about it next week. I'm not sure how we're going to do it, but you know, Max, it's funny to Kim's point, and this happens with every NFL team every year, but the jets made a, specific emphasis in the offseason going after guys who were undervalued on other teams or that they thought were undervalued. Corey Davis, Carl Lawson, you know, signing these guys, Keelan Cole, to second contracts where, you know, the team that they were on, they showed some promise, but the team was ready to move on from them. Meanwhile, you know, fast forward a few more months and all of a sudden the Jets are making a habit of underutilizing guys that should be out there for themselves. And again, I just can't, wrap my mind around it because like I said a couple weeks ago, I think it was the week that you weren't here, Max. I I don't care what the excuse is. It was fun to talk about the first few weeks as to like, oh man, I wonder what's going on behind the scenes with Denzel Mims and we all had a joke about it. But at this point, it doesn't matter. It literally does not matter. If the guy is talented and you've scored 13 first half points through five games, just put the most talented people on the field. I don't even care if they know the playbook at all. It could come out. Denzel Mims has never looked at the playbook and I wouldn't care because he's got more talent than some of the other guys that they're running out there. And the worst thing that can happen is he might catch a 40 yard ball. Like he's done, you know, two of the three times they've thrown the ball to him. Yeah, it's pretty easy. Just play backyard football, man. Just say, hey, go run, go run straight. And if you want, maybe cut to the left, you know, like that's really it. And then just plan it beforehand. There's no reason why we shouldn't just be putting these guys out there and just be like, hey, listen, get comfortable on the field. Do whatever you got to do. You know, we don't we know that we're not competing for the playoffs. We know we're not making it to the Super Bowl this year, although I think all of us thought we'd get into the playoffs this year because we were, I don't know, maybe drinking or something. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, you got this talent, go see what they could do. Try and build some sort of rapport amongst the players on the field and go from there. I mean, we're one in four right now. It, it, it can only get slightly worse than that would be if we were zero and five. But so just do whatever you got to do. Just go out there, see what we have get everyone comfortable this way next year. We have a better assessment of the talent we have on the roster and we know who to move on from and who to keep and where to utilize certain skills and then tailor the playbook towards them. Yeah, no, I think that's, I, it's, it, it's a perfect way to put it, Max. Um, You know, I also think that that's, 
we talk so much about the offense and with good reason and with no game coming up, there's so much more that we need to talk about with this game uh, behind us. Plus we can talk about, um, I've got some stats in front of me for, you know, individual players heading into the bye, the quote unquote second half coming up. Obviously there's a lot more than the half of the season left, but um, I think this is a good time. Take a break, take a pause, refill some coffee, let Kim calm down because she's just raging. <laughs> and, uh, I can't deal with life right now. <laughs> and we will come back with the second half of the goddamn jets here on the chop sports network we'll be right back what's going on guys this is sturch and i'm here to let you guys know about some new happenings with joe pizzamenti of attitude of gratitude consulting this time around i want to bring you guys up to speed on some of the amazing health and wellness products these products focus on providing happiness for people bringing out the four happy hormones in our body that right away makes me happy these products aid weight loss sleep mental clarity and energy just to name a few they have even created your morning coffee to get your day started off right. That's not all, guys. Joe is in the giving mood. So now, if you mention Shop Sports, he's going to provide you with a free discounted private travel website that you can use to book your travel needs. Even better, if you become a customer of Joe's, he's going to give you guys a travel voucher that you can use for up to a year and are only responsible for airfare and taxes. Visit attitudeofgratitudellc.com for more information. Yo, welcome back to the goddamn Jets here on the Chop Sports Network. John Sapinaro, Kimberly Cantoni, Max Antonucci talking about the latest Jets loss. This time it came super early in the morning and half the world away in London to the equally terrible Atlanta Falcons. But the way the game was played, you would have not thought that the Falcons were a bad football team, but they are just slightly better than the Jets, apparently. Um, and they come out and they do what they need to do and they win a game. And we talked last week after the big win over the Titans how the Jets played like they deserved to win that game. And even though the Jets made this a game in the second half, Kim, the Jets played like they did not deserve to win this game. If the, I mean, look, you're, not, you're never going to throw a win back. Had the Jets come back and won, we would have been like, wow, they somehow pulled it out and they got out of London with a big win. But they did not deserve to win this game from start to finish. We talked so much about the offense in the first half, and that was a big part of the problem. But there were some problems on defense too, and Max mentioned one, and I want to just get this one out of the way because to his credit, you, you can't blame it all on the refs. But I do think that that first roughing the passer penalty on Quincy Williams really set the tone for how the defense played for a good chunk of that first quarter and that first half. It seemed like then they started to pull up a little bit and they weren't getting the same kind of push that they were getting. And honestly, that was about as textbook clean a hit on the quarterback that you could possibly have. And that the, the Jets were, were dealt a pretty bad blow. And I think that that did doom them for a little bit of the game. I'm not blaming all of their defensive struggles on that, but I do think that that is a tone setter when you think you're getting off the field on third down and then all of a sudden you're saddled with a 15 yard penalty and you got to stay out there. Yeah, I think that was a huge blow to their egos, especially for Quincy Williams, who came off such a huge game the week prior, you know, and I think that's the thing too. When you go into the half 17 to zero, you got to look at the defense too. They're letting, they're letting the opposing offense get down the field. So in that sense as well, the defense is failing. That's the thing. You know what? We again, we blamed, put a lot of blame on the offense, but like this is a whole team effort here. The defense did not do their job as well. If we were, went into the half and it was like three to nothing, then you could be like, okay, the defense is doing their part, but they just didn't. And that's yeah. the thing. You can't wait until the second half, like we said it before, to make things happen here. 
So I think I agree with you. That was such a tone setter. And I think it kind of rattled the defense a little bit too. And they just were, they played sloppy. They did, did, they did not get the job done. No, they absolutely didn't. And, and Max, you know, take the penalty out of it. But, you know, um, you see some curious decisions and curious coaching and game planning on the defensive side as well. First of all, on the first two touchdowns that the Falcons scored, they were on defensive ends yeah. in coverage, which, I mean, how in the world would you put a defensive end on an all-world talent like Kyle Pitts? I simply cannot understand how that happens. I know that their formation probably dictated, you know, because it looked like maybe it was going to be a run and maybe Pitts is going to be in there to block. Listen, everybody knows on a goal line situation, Kyle Pitts is not going to be in there to block most times, especially when their top two wide receivers are out. And that's the other thing I want to mention before I throw it to you. Their top two wide receivers did not play in this game. And so they have Pitts and they have Patterson. Those are the players of, of merit. Those are the players of note. Those are the guys that you have to not let beat you and not let Matt Ryan get the ball to. And all they did was let Matt Ryan get the ball to Pitts and and Patterson. And, you know, when you factor in all those things, that's pretty unacceptable from a coaching and scheme side, Max. Yeah, I mean, listen, I love Franklin Myers, man. I think he's worth every penny of the new contract, but he, he doesn't belong in coverage in the red zone. Like, it, it's out of control. I, I, I don't understand it. Uh, yeah, and we went into this game thinking, well, our defense is good. They don't have two of their star wide receivers. We're going to be fine. We're going to get through it. Uh, but we, we didn't. I mean, it should have been a game where our defense looked incredible, and their offense looked terrible. Like that's what it should have been. And it didn't turn out that case. And then obviously you got to make the adjustments for Pitts, which we, we all wanted him if we weren't going for a quarterback. Right. I think we yeah. all agree there. I think we may have said that in one of the earlier podcasts this season or before the season started that we, I mean, we were super high on him. We would have loved him. We knew he's like a, you know, a playmaker. It, it, it just doesn't make sense. It, it we fail every week in new surprising ways and it's just getting very disappointing. Yeah. Pitts does look like a generational talent. I mean, he looked like a potential hall of fame type caliber player when he was drafted. He looked like that in college and look, I know it's, it's uh, early to say hall of fame and the guys played in five games, but he just looks like the next great tight end in the NFL. So, you know, any team is, is fortunate to have him. And I do think we talked a little bit about that, maybe leading up to the mock draft that we had with, um, with green bean, but I mean, it's just, it's just so frustrating to watch the, the, the decisions made. And again, the, the schemes laid out there, Jonathan Franklin Myers, great player. Like you said, very congratulations to him. Well-deserving of that contract. It was a beautiful moment when he talked about it and teared up, you know, about it on the podium uh, when they asked them unbelievably great. But when you look at it, you know, the jets have some linebackers, that are decent in coverage, namely CJ Mosley. He's the best one and proven in that regard. So how you would have a defensive end on, you know, if they had Mosley on Pitts and Pitts scores that touchdown, I'd say, okay, you know, maybe not the best one-on-one coverage, 
but it's okay because Mosley's good in that role. He's an athlete and he's a guy that can bring pits down one-on-one. And that's kind of, that's the, that's the conundrum, right? When you have a great tight end out there, that's bigger than your cornerbacks, but faster than your linebackers and your safeties. How do you defend him? Well, you probably have to double cover him, especially when you don't have anybody else on the outside to worry about. I don't understand how there wasn't a linebacker and a safety uh, or a safety and a cornerback or a cornerback and a linebacker on pits the entire game. That was the move. Double cover him with a big guy and a fast guy and hope for the best. I mean, who else are they going to throw to? They started throwing to guys that I've never heard of at the ends at the end of the game. And some of those guys wound up making plays to their credit. But, you know, Kim, we have another situation here where, you know, the coaching really failed. I mean, Patterson is a is a good player. Patterson is a fast and shifty player who can line up as a wide receiver. He can line up in the backfield. But man, I mean the the Jets made him look like the second coming of Christian McCaffrey and the guy is like 31 years old and has been a career journeyman. And the Jets made him look terrific. You can't have that. If you're trying to win a football game, you simply have to figure out a way to stop two players. If they stop two players, they win that game. Maybe there wasn't a package to cover pits. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. They, he, like, I agree. They made him look like this incredible player. And it's just, it's again, it's one of those things where it's like, we have to go back to the biggest drawing board. I don't understand how they just, it fe- I felt like the Jets just were not prepared for this game. Like did they maybe they got cocky from that win, which is like the opposite of what we were talking about last week. But maybe they got cocky, which like I don't see as part of the culture here with the Jets. But something changed where they just they didn't have it. it they didn't have it on, on all levels. But there's one player that I do want to just touch quickly on, and I hate to go back to the offense, but Elijah Veritucka really to me was the only one that like had a standout performance. Mm-hmm. In this game, he really was the MVP of the offense. And, like, that's not saying much because the whole offense just sucked. You know, he made these incredible blocks. But even so, with his incredible playing at such a high level, we weren't able to get the ball down the field. We couldn't make the plays. And that just goes to show you, too, that even if you have these playmakers as a whole, the Jets are not getting the job done. Yeah, I'm happy that you mentioned Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, it has to do with the offense, but you know, we we spent so much time talking about the woes of the team on both offense and defense mm-hmm. that we didn't get to the one bright spot, and he really was that. Um, he uh, prior to Monday Night Football, he was the highest graded offensive lineman in Week Five, ninety two point four, and Max. That's two weeks in a row now where Elijah Vera Tucker has been really good. And really, if you go back three weeks, that you can see the trend continue to climb, which is a great sign. One because Makai Becton is obviously out for a few more weeks, and because in the first game, especially Elijah Vera Tucker looked really bad. He looked really overmatched, but now he's looking like the high draft pick, the guy that we moved up to get. And it's reasonable. You know, it seemed like the game was moving a little too fast for him. And and hopefully this is, you know, what we're going to see from him moving forward now that the game is slowed down, but he was really great. Yeah. He's starting to get his bearings and he's starting to come into his own, which is exciting. I mean, Makai Becton last year, we saw a few things like that where we were like, "Uh Oh, this isn't what we were hoping for. But then as the season progressed and he was healthy, he was doing great. So, I mean, the fact that we have two guys on the line that 
seem to be the real deal and are going to be reliable as long as they stay healthy. Mostly that's pointed towards Mackay Becton. It's something that we could look at and be like, okay, well, we know that this position is handled and we have a guy who's good when Mackay Becton's out. Uh, One thing that, I mean, I know it's super early to start talking like this, but it's something I, I just have to bring up. Listen, the way we're playing right now, we're going to have possibly a top five pick in the NFL draft, right? Mm-hmm. Now, Russell Wilson's out. Geno Smith is under center in Seattle. We may have two top 10 picks this year. It's a possibility that we have two top 10 picks going into the draft next year. And then, you know, one of them is going to be spent on a, a lineman, mm-hmm. but probably interior lineman or a center, right. which I would prefer. Mm-hmm. So, no matter what, I know this is kind of a weird thing to say, but no matter what, we have some positive things to look forward to. So either we're a shitty team all year round, and hopefully we're in all the games, right? So I wouldn't mind seeing it to where we're in all the games. We wind up with like, you know, a four and 13 record, and we have these top picks. Yeah. And then we're like, okay, our offensive line is set, and we got to see a lot of improvement from all the skilled positions. That would be ideal, right? Because we know Elijah Vera Tucker is a real deal now. We're seeing it. I think he's only going to get better and better and better. Uh, and we know Mekhi Becton, as long as he's healthy, is the real deal. And he's mm-hmm. just going to keep getting better and better and better. So any way you cut it, it works out well for the offensive line on this team. It really does. That's a really good point. And, you know, it's hard to look you know, jet fans in the face and say that, but you know, there is progress. Let's, let's be clear about one thing. This was a really annoying and frustrating loss, especially because it happened early in the morning and it was a team that we should have beaten all the things we talked about in the first uh, half of this show. But you know, Max, they were in this game and the only game that they have not been in all season was the Broncos game. The Broncos game is the game that you don't want to see going forward because as bad as the offense was, as much as the defense took a step back in this game, as much as Zach Wilson didn't have his best stuff out there and he was missing receivers and stuff like that, those are all things, again, from the youngest team in the NFL that you expect to see. You do not want to see an effort that they put in with the Broncos game where they quit, where you said it was all breaks, no gas. That's not the game you want to see. All of these other games, they're going to be frustrating. It's going to suck, Jets fans, but... There is progress here. There is something to be said where this is still better than the last two years, where there is still something there that they are trending towards. And if they ever do wind up with a top five pick of their own, you know, there are some things that we've seen, you know, top five pick, it's a good place to go to for a pass rusher, right? But if they find themselves in a spot where, you know, they've had a great pass rush and a great defensive line without Carl Lawson, all season, Max, you know, when they have that, well, maybe you don't need to go for a pass rusher. They just signed Jonathan Franklin Myers. They've got Quincy Williams here for the long haul. They've got Carl Lawson. They've got other guys here uh, on the team that can, you know, really make a push on the defensive line. So maybe that's not a place that they have to go to. Then you look at the offensive line, like you mentioned, and um, you see a lot of things going on there where, you know what, they've already got their left tackle. 
They have Elijah Vera Tucker. They have these people, you know, and so when you start to look at centers and interior linemen, that's somebody that they can get sometimes, you know, in the twenties or, you know, in the, in the thirties, you might be able to trade back. You might be able to use your second pick and get a really, you know, a stud at one of those positions because you've got the two hardest positions on the line solidified right now. So the jets are in a good place. And yeah, we didn't even mention until you brought it up and I'm so happy you segued to it. I cannot believe that the pick that the Jets will receive from Seattle is going to come down to Jamal Adams and Gino fucking Smith. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's so poetic. It's lovely. I mean, I'm I'm big on if we could get a guy, and I don't know who's coming out of the draft this year. I haven't watched much college ball, but I would it's imagine. It's to tell for that. Yeah, and I would imagine that there's going to be a really solid center coming out, right? And I would love that. If we could just have a guy the way we had Nick Mangold come out, you know, a guy who's going to be here for 10, 15 years, that'd be fantastic. That's what I'd love to see. Uh, And I wouldn't mind spending a top five pick on that or a top 10 pick at all, as opposed to a pass rusher. I mean, obviously we have, other glaring needs, you know, it'd be great to have a, a stud cornerback or a stud linebacker. I think that'd be fantastic coming out of the draft, but I'm okay with uh, spending that pick. And it is so beautiful that it all is in the hands of Geno Smith. Although as jet fans, we, I think we feel like that could wind up like you see Geno Smith come out and then he winds up just being like a all-star quarterback and just puts up crazy stats because he's with a good organization now. Because a lot of people do believe that he's going to have a very good time with Seattle, but I, I hope not. I don't. I really don't think he is. I mean, I think Geno Smith is what he is, and Geno Smith's always been a great athlete. He's always been a great thrower of the football. Um, I know some people who know him well who are not named Kimberly Cantoni. <laughs> she was around the team when he was there, <laughs> so I'm not putting her on blast. But I know some people that said Geno Smith had the absolute worst worth work ethic of any player they've ever been around in the NFL. Somebody was like, uh, you know, you can fix somebody's you know, footwork, you can fix somebody's arm action. You can fix somebody's ability to a degree to even read the field, but you can't fix being an asshole. And Geno Smith is an asshole. That was the quote given to me by somebody who worked with Geno Smith. So um, there you have it. Do with that information what you will. So, you know, I wonder who we're talking about. (laughs) I think you might know this person too, but uh, you know, that's okay. Um, But (laughs) You know, to your point, Max, you know, the Jets were able to get a career, you know, great center, potentially Hall of Fame player in Nick Mangold at 29. You know, in that year, DeBrickishaw Ferguson was the guy that we went and got early. And yeah. it was Mangold that we, I believe we moved back into the first round to grab him. Um, you know, so you can get centers later on in the draft. So, you know, the Jets are in a really great place with all those picks, plus potentially Kim, two high picks, you know, to mm-hmm. solidify. I think the Jets have more talent than they did, <clears throat> excuse me, the last couple of years, but the Jets are still in a spot where you go and you take the best player available, especially now that you have a left tackle and a quarterback, you know, whoever's there at five and then, you know, eight when they're picking with Seattle, like you just go get the best player you possibly can in the position that you need the most. Right. Exactly. If Zach Wilson is going to be our franchise quarterback, which I believe that he is, they need to do what they 
need to do to give him the best weapons, but also to the, the best protection as well. And I agree. We need the best players that are on the board. I think there is an improvement from last year. There is no question about, about it. So, I mean, once we get, if we get two more wins, then we've succeeded in being better than last year. Right? Like, I feel like then we're in a good place, but it's just, I've talked about this before. It's unfortunate because us fans, we expected so much more out of this new team than what we're getting right now. And it's obvious to see what the problems are. They can't they can't make the adjustments that are needed in the first half. And they're making the adjustments a little too late. It shouldn't have to be when you're down 17 nothing that you go into the locker room and you have this like inspiring movie speech and then all of a sudden you come back out and like you're close enough to winning the game. Like it's not enough. So I think, I think it's better than last year for sure. I think, yeah, we are going to get at least a top five pick without question, but in those picks, we have to do what's best for this team. And we have to give ourselves the best option to be playmakers going forward. Yeah. You know, Max, let's, let's change gears real quick. Talk about Marcus may, obviously we've talked a lot about him, the off the field stuff, the non-contract, all that stuff. But, um, about an hour before we went live for this podcast, um, his agent saying through, uh, Jeremy Fowler, who reports, uh, ESPN for, um, uh, reports on the NFL for ESPN that Marcus may would welcome a trade. Um, at this point, I I don't want to flip flop and change gears, but, uh, the way the jets are playing, plus the off-the-field stuff, plus it's clear that they're not going to re-sign him. I think you have to trade Marcus May. I really do. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm all for it. And this will, you know, we all trust Joe Douglas, and he'll be able to get the most out of it. Obviously, his value is going down uh, with the injury and then also with the off-the-field stuff. So I'm not yeah. sure what we're going to get for him, but I'm sure we will get something good for him. And I, I do support trading him. I do too. You know, I, I think, you know, Kim, it, this was a situation where we were all frustrated because Marcus May was the kind of player that we hoped he would be. He turned into that. And he also, after being, you know, oft injured his first two years in the league, managed to stay healthy. But here he is hurt and that off the field stuff that we talked about last week. And I just think at this point, it's clear that the Jets, you know, look, the, the Jets could use a safety like Marcus May this year and going forward in terms of his ability on the field. But I think that in a very short time, he has proven to be from he's gone from indispensable to highly disposable for this particular Jets team in this particular situation. They're going to have a lot of picks. You can go get a safety elsewhere. You don't need a stud safety on a bad team. If you can trade him, you have to trade him. Yeah, I completely agree with you guys. I think it's time, you know, they're not going to, they're not using him. They're not going to use him, you know, now they're never going to use him. And like we talked about last week with all the uh, personal indiscretions that have come out now, I just don't think he is what the Jets need anymore. I agree with you, Max. I'm not sure exactly what they could get from him because his value, I feel, is starting to drop as well. But I think it's time to make the move and hopefully they can get a really good deal out of him. But I feel that his time with the Jets is up. Yeah. All right. Well, we got a couple more minutes. Let's get into some 
of the first half, if you will, grades on these players real quick. And we're not going to go through the entire roster, obviously. We're just going to highlight some of the big ones as we head into the bye. And we'll start with the quarterback, Zach Wilson. And Max, we'll start with you. I'm also not going to read off every individual statistic. We've all been watching the games. I'll give you a couple highlight statistics on each one of these people, and then we'll just kind of go around and give our grades. So, you know, through five games played, he's got uh, uh, 1,117 yards four touchdowns. The glaring number is the nine interceptions and the bad completion percentage. He is a rookie. He's shown some greatness in a couple flashes here and there. What's your, what's your uh, heading into the bye week grade on Zach Wilson? C minus going C minus as someone who was a fellow C minus student throughout all of his (laughs) schooling career. uh, Well, that was after I found out the joy of marijuana. uh, I would say, yeah, I would say C minus. I mean, those short balls, there's no excuse for that, man, where he's just landing short of the receivers in clutch plays, like in clutch downs where it's like third down and seven. And clearly he could have, you know, got a first down, but he winds up throwing short or throws a little far out. It's just something, even as a rookie, you shouldn't be making those mistakes. And they keep happening. So, like, you like to see it where a rookie quarterback does that and then they correct it. He hasn't really corrected it. So I'm going to give him a C minus. All right, Kim, what about you? I actually give him a C plus only because he got rookie of the week last week. I think that there is so much potential, but at the end of the day with the five weeks, you know, he's just made some major errors in terms of turnovers and interceptions that, you just, you can't do. So I give him a C plus. Okay. Yeah. I think both of those grades are fair. I'm going to, I'm going to go with max on this one. I, I was, I was teetering myself between a, a D plus and a C minus. I'm going to give him a C minus. He gets the bump from me. Uh, actually because of both of you and what you said, you know, Kim, the, the rookie of the week gives him a little bit of a push and the fact that he is a rookie mm-hmm. quarterback, I'm going to grade slightly on a curve when we go with that. But, um, you know, Adam Archuleta during the last week's broadcast and you know, that same broadcast team had the jets two weeks in a row. And so, Arch got to see him, you know, in back-to-back weeks and see, you know, him be really good and then see him be not so good. And one of the things he said was that, you know, Zach Wilson's great when he's on the run and escaping the pocket and doing all these exciting things. He's like, well, he needs to get better at, and, and people keep saying this word, but he needs to get better at the boring stuff. You know, when he's in the pocket, a lot of times last week he had clean pockets. And like Max said, he's missing guys short. He's missing guys long. He's bouncing the ball. He's rushing the ball. And it's like, dude, you have a clean pocket, just set your feet and throw the ball. And so, you know, if he would just do a better job of that, even with the interceptions, you know, his completion percentage would be way higher and his grade. Therefore, I think from all of us, but especially, you know, for me, cause I'm talking about now would be higher, but I'm going to go with, uh, with you guys. We're all in the same ballpark. C minus moving on to Michael Carter, rookie running back guy has been pretty good uh, since he's sort of emerged from that backfield scrum of all those players that we have. 47 carries, 165 rushing yards, two rushing touchdowns, nine receptions, 64 receiving yards. Pretty good numbers from the rookie. Kim, Michael Carter, what's your grade? I give him a B. Yeah, I think he's been a playmaker this season so far. I wish his numbers were higher because I know they can be. And it's not just all on him. You know, it's there's a lot of factors involved. But I give him a B. I think he's having a good showing so far. And there's potential for growth. I totally agree. Uh, Max, what do you think? 
I was gonna say B plus, but now I'm changing it to B because uh, <laughs> I can't I can't support raising it any higher. Yeah, I wish the stats were higher as far as the rushing yards and the receiving yards. Uh, so that's why I'm standing still at a B as well. That's funny that you uh, change like that on the fly because uh, I'm going to say B plus one because the first couple games, you know, he wasn't the feature back and he's slowly becoming that. So I think his numbers would be a bit better if he was, um, you know, early on the feature back. And I also think that the Jets have shown we haven't even talked about this, but they've shown a weird unwillingness to run the ball, which is strange for having a rookie quarterback. They haven't committed to the run the way that I'd like them to. I think that's something else they need to uh, game plan going into the bye week and coming out of it. But I don't think that that's necessarily, you know, obviously on him, it's more on the coaching. So I am going to give him a B plus. I think he's been a a bright spot for us through the first five games. Let's keep it in the running back room. I'm going to give you two guys at once and then just let me know uh, grades on both of them. They are the other two running backs that have been featured uh, Ty Johnson in five games and Kevin Coleman in four. Ty Johnson has 26 carries, 95 yards with one touchdown. And Tevin Coleman has 21 carries, 73 yards, no touchdowns. But obviously he started to play a little bit of a role in special teams as well. Max, uh, give me grades on both those guys. Uh, I'm going to give them both C minuses. No, that's that's too harsh. I'll give them both C pluses uh, based on the stats. I'm going to okay. give them both C pluses. Okay, Kim, what do you think? I give them a C plus as well. My, I made a phase when you first said C minus, and I was like, ooh, that is real aggressive. Usually it's me that's the aggressive one, but I agree based on those numbers, the C plus as well. Okay, I'm going to go a little bit less than you guys. I'm just going to say a C. I think they've been fundamentally average, and I think a C says that the most. Um, I think we need a little bit more out of both of them, but again – you know, I think we need better schemes for some of these guys. I mean, Ty Johnson is a good pass catching back. He's shifty in the open field. Tevin Coleman is supposed to be this guy that came over and really knows the playbook, right? And we can't seem to get enough out of them. I think Michael Carter is the most talented of those three guys, but I think there's a role for the other two, especially in today's NFL. You know, most teams that are successful have two or three running backs that they use. And I think we need a little bit more out of them. So I'm going to go with a C. This next one is pretty interesting. Um, we're talking about Corey Davis, five games played 20 receptions, 302 yards, three touchdowns. And he is on pace right now for a 68 catch year with a thousand yards and 10 touchdowns. So when you put all that together, uh, that would be a pretty good year, despite the fact that he's had some fits and starts. Max, where do you rank Corey Davis? A giving him a, a solid a no a plus no a minus he's been uh one of the shining uh parts of the offense where we could look at and be like oh okay this was a good signing uh i'm gonna give him an a for sure kim what about you i give him an a minus because i feel his numbers although very good should be better for who he is as a player and a person so i'm gonna give him an a minus off to a great start but i know it can be better yeah i agree with you kim i'm gonna give him an a minus the numbers when you consider the fact that he's playing on a young team and he's the feature guy and he's got a rookie quarterback and there's a bad offensive line, when you factor all those things in, if you just look at the numbers and you never watched a game, you'd say, wow, this guy's playing to an A. But when you watch the game every week like we do, you've seen some drops, you've seen him disappear. I think it tells a different story than the numbers. So I would say that if you look just at that, 
just the eye test, he's probably a B plus. So I'm going to split the difference and give him an A minus. Here's a gross stat to add to that though. If he does go over a thousand yards, like he's projected to, he would be the first Jets receiver with a thousand yards since Marshall and Decker in 2015. That's how bad our offense has been for six years running. Uh, That's disgusting. Let's keep it with the wide receivers. I'm going to do these in, in chunks of two as well. Keelan Cole, seven receptions in three games played with 160 yards. And then, of course, Jamison Crowder just back off IR uh, with two games played, 11 receptions, 85 yards, one touchdown, one two-point conversion. Uh, Kim, what do you got for those two guys? I'm actually going to give him an A because even though it's not as many games, it's a huge impact uh, for as little games as they played. So I'm going to give them an A. They're making a huge impact in the short amount of time given. For both of them? For both of them, yeah. Okay. Uh, Max, what do you say? I would uh, say a B for both of them. Uh, well, no, Crowder, I'll give an A because he's he's missed some time, uh, more time. So I would I would say B and an A. Okay, I'm gonna go. Um, I'm gonna go C plus for Cole. I think we all expected a little bit more out of him, especially if he's taking snaps away from Denzel Mims. And I'm gonna go B plus for Crowder. It would be an A if he played more. He's got A stats, but he just needs to be on the field. Um, and uh, he's such a great security blanket for a rookie quarterback, especially one that doesn't have a tight end. Um, let's bang through the rest of these. Just a couple more: Braxton Berrios, Denzel Mims, and Elijah Moore. Berrios, five games played, 16 receptions, 156 yards, plus he's on the punt return. We got Denzel Mims, two games played, three receptions, 73 yards. It's a travesty. And then Elijah Moore, four games played, eight receptions, 66 yards. Max, those three. All right. What was the order again? Uh, Berrios, Mims, Moore. Okay, Berrios, Mims, Moore. A plus, C, C. Okay. A plus for Braxton Berrios. Maybe you're the guy that's going to get the Braxton Berrios jersey. I'm Uh, done done buying jerseys. I'll never buy another jersey. (laughs) (laughs) You can make your own. There you go. Yeah, but maybe I'll buy a a card. Maybe I'll buy a football card, you know? (laughs) Kim, how do you feel about those three guys? Um, Berrios, I'm going to give an A. Mims, I'm going to give a B for just showing up. And um, what was the last one? Elijah, Elijah Moore. Moore. I'm going to give him a C because I expect more from Elijah Moore. Okay. All right. Um, you guys are pretty generous with the grades. Uh, Braxton Berrios, I'm going to give him a B minus. I think he's been good. Um, B minus? Th- wow. I think he's been he's good. I mean, B minus is a solid grade. I don't think it has a reflection on him as a player. I just think that there's some, you know, it's, a lot of these guys are not getting utilized right. Um, Denzel Mims, I mean, I, I think he sh- deserves better based on the numbers and the fact that he hasn't played, but – I mean, that's a C for me. I mean, he has to be on the field. There's a reason why he's not on the field, um, whether it's BS or not. But, you know, if you only play in two games and you only have three catches, that's not enough. And Elijah Moore, uh, I'm going to go C- minus on Elijah Moore because I expect more from him as well. Last two before we get out of here, the two tight ends. Kim, we'll start with you. Tyler Croft, four games, six receptions, 46 yards. Ryan Griffin, Ryan fucking Griffin, five games played, eight receptions, 49 yards. Um, I'm going to give them both a D because those numbers suck and I want Kenny a on the field. So I give them both a D. Max, what about you? 
D minus. Yeah. D minus. Suck Stick it. with it. <laughs> you know what? I'm I'm doing it, guys. I'm gonna I'm gonna take us home with this one. F for both yes! of them. F for both of them because nice. because that's Ryan Griffin's middle name first of all and uh, also because you need to have tight ends that can support your young quarterback. I know I've said it a million times on this show this week alone, but you need to have that. Look, the Jets were ultimately right in getting rid of uh, Stonehands. He doesn't have any catches or didn't have any catches through last week with the Vikings, with Chris Herndon. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't think that that necessarily would have made a difference, but Tyler Croft has been injured and Ryan Griffin's not that good. And I just think that they need to be better in, in the tight end room than they are. Hopefully Kenny Yaboa plays after the bye week and we see them kind of pick up a little bit, but um, you know, a lot of bad grades because it's a bad football team right now. Before we get out of here, Max, you got anything else you want to say? Uh, yeah. Enjoy the, the one week of this season where we're not going to lose. <laughs> Guaranteed. Kim, what yeah. about you? Yeah. Hope everybody enjoys the bye week and hopefully we, we come back refreshed and ready to go for week seven, but that is a tall order for us. Listen, I will say this. Uh, this is my birthday weekend and the jets Aww. gave me the best gift they possibly could, which is not playing so i don't have to worry about it (laughs) and that's all i gotta say ladies and gentlemen this was a fun one considering the jets are a terrible football team john sapinaro in los angeles max antonucci in jersey city new jersey kimberly cantoni in staten island new york and of course all together we are the goddamn jets here on the chop sports network oh like the podcast subscribe to the podcast listen to it wherever you do apple spotify google all the places and follow us on instagram at the underscore goddamn underscore jets and we will see you next week with our best movie reviews or something else we'll see you guys later